0: Alright, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for, uh, just being good to us, Lord. Uh, sometimes life throws things at us that we just, uh, oh, sometimes we just feel like we're taking the punches, Lord. But, uh, with you, we know that there's, uh, just peace. Uh, we know we can, uh, just, uh, rest in you. Uh, the Bible says that we can just cling to you, uh, all of those, uh, things, Lord. And so, uh, as we just, uh, look at the things that have been going on in different people's lives and there's different struggles and there's different things, we know that uh, inevitably it doesn't really matter what the issue is, uh, the gospel is uh, where the truth is, the gospels is where uh, just the peace is and uh, that's where we can just uh, really uh, rest in you. And so Lord, I do pray that you just speak to us today as we get into your word. And we really talk about the gospel uh, itself, and we don't. We spend a lot of time beating around the bush with the gospel, but we're going to really dive into it today. And I pray you just speak to us. I pray for those in the class who uh, a lot of things going on. We got uh, Kristen Abby and the, the new baby and the girls, and a lot of things going on. Pray for Chris and Lauren as they're, uh, just taking the next, ne- next, uh, uh, steps to, uh, maybe just, uh, become parents. Lord, we pray for them. And there's a lot of things going on, uh, just as I just think about everybody in, in the class. And so I pray that you would, uh, just be the comforter, uh, Lord, that you would just get the honor and the glory from the things that we do, whether we're, uh, just, uh, you know, eating or drinking or uh, just the things that we do in daily life that you would just get the glory for all of it. So, I just pray all this uh, in Christ's name, Amen. Okay, so uh, if you have your Bibles open up to First Corinthians chapter fifteen, so we are approaching the end of First Corinthians. Now, just because we're approaching the end doesn't mean we're almost done because First uh, Corinthians fifteen is man, it's it's a deep chapter. Uh, so if, if, if I was to ask you, what is 1 Corinthians 15 about somebody like Shoot! Shoot it off. <laughs> it is the chapter what we would call the full mention of the resurrection. Man, he he goes in deep of you know what the resurrection is, why it's important, uh, why uh, we should hold to it, uh, what it really means. At, towards the end of the chapter, he dives in deep as far as you know the differences between the body, the soul, and the spirit, how that all works out in the resurrection. There's a lot of stuff going on. And First Corinthians 15. And so we're going to take our time getting through it. It's a long chapter, uh, anyway. And so we're going to try to get through. I say try because I told myself as I was sitting down putting all this together, I'm like, we're going to be done early. And then as I was getting it all through, I'm like, just getting through 11 verses is going to be hard. So uh, we'll see how we get along today. So we're going to really slowly work our way through 1 Corinthians 15 because this is one of those chapters that sometimes people go through really quickly because sometimes they don't completely have a grasp on it or they don't really know how to explain it and so they kind of just try to glaze over it and I don't want to do that. I want you guys to really have a grasp on what's happening here because once we get to 1 Corinthians 16... It is a pretty quick chapter. It's just him concluding the whole book. And then uh, I kind of have some thoughts on where we might be going after that, maybe to wrap up the year, and then we'll see from there. But we'll be here for several weeks, I think, just getting through this and, and having a grasp on it. And so First Corinthians has taken us quite a while to get through up to this point. And so he's talked about the different spiritual gifts here recently, and then he went through uh, the whole thing with tongues. And basically, you'd be better off if you just... Uh, Taught the word, you know. He's, he's talking about prophecy and you know just revealed the word as opposed to coming up with a quote-unquote new word. And that was uh, chapter fourteen. You can go back and listen to that if you want to get in on it. But when you get to First Corinthians fifteen, he really switches gears. And so I have a question. I don't really do this very often because generally you guys don't give me a lot of feedback. But uh, I'm, I'm, I need I need some answers today because I really want to work through something. Because what we do. As Christians, uh, is based all around one thing. What is that? It's the gospel, right? <laughs> what did <what'd> you say? <laughs> Uh-oh. She said food. <laughs> food. I, that's very true when you go to camp. Yeah, I mean, you're right. When you're talking about Passpoint, we can't do nothing together without some food. Uh, that's very true, but, uh, as 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 Christians, everything we do revolves around this one thing, and it is called the gospel, right? And we hit it from all these different directions, and we kind of know what it is, but trying to pinpoint what is the gospel, if I was to ask you, if I was to ask you, uh, what is the gospel? If you were explaining the gospel to a lost person, how would you explain it? The story of the resurrection. The story of the resurrection, okay. I'm a lost guy, though, and... That doesn't mean anything to me. The resurrection of what? The story of Jesus. Okay. Anybody else? Like, if I if I if I was like, I'm I'm a lost person. You're like, hey, everything I do as a Christian is the gospel. What what is the gospel? How do you explain that? Jesus loves you. Died for your sins. Saved you. Conquered death. Life death. Those are all the right answers. They they really are. I'm not saying anybody's wrong. But I'm a lost guy. Why do I care? Like, so, so too often, the church is irrelevant to the world. Because we have something they don't, but they don't care. Right? They don't care. So what is the gospel? Okay, so let me, let me narrow it down. Because I had a feeling it would go like this because we just have a hard time pinpointing. Okay, so why if I was a lost person, would I want it? Or would I need it? How do you explain that to me? I mean, if you believe that. I mean, I'm just playing the quote-unquote devil's advocate. Because, you know, when I was in London, one of the times we went to London uh, and we were meeting people on the street sharing the gospel, Brian Clark uh, said it like this, and it made a lot of sense. He said, you meeting somebody on the street and giving them the gospel and asking them to get saved and really get saved, because when you get saved, you your life transforms. It's completely different. It's basically the same as meeting somebody on the street that you don't know and saying, will you marry me? Because that would completely change their life as well. I mean, it's, it's very similar in the sense of that's what it would do to their life. And so like, why, if I was, how are you explaining the gospel to me? Why would I want that as a lost person? I mean, I'm just asking. How do you explain that? How do you explain that to your coworkers? Your family that is lost? How do you, how do you explain that? I mean, we come to church every week. We, we claim that we've got something that they don't and, but, but what is it? I'm, I'm seriously asking, like, how do you explain that? As a law, I'm, I'm so say I'm the lost guy. Why do I want your quote-unquote gospel? For me, it's peace. Peace? That's that's a good answer because it is. What's that? Okay, yeah. Those are the things that are a little more relatable, right? It's easy to say that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. It is absolutely it is. We're actually going to read that today because without that. But how do you relate that to people? How do you make it something that they need, right? Obviously it's not being, the gospel is not being a good person. It's not going to church. But the question that maybe I have for you or us as Christians is, is the gospel why you do what you do? Is the gospel why you live the way you live? Do you live the way that you live because you want to be a Christian, you want to be a good person, you want to live righteously, uh, you, you want to have a good... T- I mean, those, those are good things. They really are. But like, what is the, what is the root behind this thing? Because if the gospel is not why you do what you do, then what are we doing it for? Seriously, and I'm not trying to, like, step on anybody's toes, and I'm, I'm talking this to myself sometimes. Um, I had a week this week, and I know you guys think that I'm busy a lot of times, but I had a week this week that was just completely over the top as far as work goes and then just other things on top of it, but it was completely over the top. Uh, I worked Brenton like a uh, like a dog this week because it was just a crazy week. We all just, and it, it was just one of those times, that it was, sometimes that happens, right, with what you got going on. And then at the end of the week, I kind of had yesterday to rest, and it was just like, oh my gosh, it was just nice to like breathe for a second. And it was just like, okay, that's awesome. We got a lot done physically, but was there any internal impact? I mean, maybe. And obviously, we're doing work for people, and there's related. Really, but man is is the gospel why we do what we do? It's a question we have to ask ourselves. So to me, if somebody was to ask me, and I actually had time to think through this uh, most of the week, and this morning as I was putting all this down on paper, I, I wasn't put on the spot. What is the gospel to you? To me, the gospel is, is hope. The gospel is a hope for something better, right? Not just for tomorrow, not just for uh, the way that I live, but... For eternity right the gospel gives me hope to continue moving forward through the day in the day out the mundane the crazy things that happen all that the gospel gives you hope right you we we lose somebody that's close to us there's hope in the resurrection we're going to talk about that as we move forward in first corinthians uh, 15 because if if the resurrection is only good for living then who cares Uh, the resurrection has got to be good for dying right and so anyway uh Let me just say this and we'll move forward because this is just all kind of introduction. This is why I I thought we were going to be done early and it's not going to happen. If we're ever going to convince the lost world that they need what we have, we've got to be able to articulate that what we have is something they need. Now let me say that again because there's, there's something to that. If you're ever going to convince the lost world that they need what we have, meaning salvation, peace in Christ, all of those things. If we're ever going to convince the lost world that they need what we have, then we've got to somehow be able to communicate, to articulate, to show them that we've got something that they need. Because all of those things that you said, all right, there's peace in the gospel. There's hope in the gospel. It's the death, burial, and the resurrection. It's all of those things. But the lost people look at you and they're like, great. I don't care. I don't believe what you believe. I don't. And that doesn't relate to me. That's awesome that you do that, but that's not for me. All those things, right? We've all heard all of the different answers. If we can't articulate that we've got something that they need, then they're never going to just take what we say that they need, right? We all need. We all know that they need Jesus, right? We all know that at some point we were lost. I'm talking to a room full of salty Christians. Like, you guys are grounded in the Word. Like, I, I believe that wholeheartedly as I look around the room. If we're ever going to heavy on the salty with some people, by the way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, if we're ever going to to be relatable to a world of people that just think that we're just another thing, then it's got to be more than just coming to church and living a good life for us, right? And so I say all that to say, <clears throat> as we get into First Corinthians 15, let me just read the first little bit of this, and. We're going to talk about today what the gospel is. The gospel is, well, let's just fill in the blank. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, meaning I'm adding to what I've been saying in the past few chapters. I'm really downloading some doctrine to you here. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, meaning they got got saved, and wherein you stand, by which you also are saved. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that uh, which I also which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and how he was buried, and how he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. By the way, he died, he buried, and he was rose again. Like that is in in truth what happened. But how do you articulate that? Okay. Verse 5, and then he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, above uh, he was seen uh, above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this uh, present, but some are fallen asleep, meaning some people have died. Uh, after that, uh, he was seen of James, uh, then of all the apostles. And last uh, of all, he was seen also of me, he started, this is Paul talking, uh, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I uh, am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace uh, of God, which was in me. Therefore, whether uh, it were I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Okay, so he's talking to this church. He's wrapping up this book. And he's talking about, okay, you have something as a church. Talking to a church body, so generally, if you're talking to a church body, you're talking about people who are saved. Now, obviously, there's people at church every week who come in that aren't saved. But when I'm talking to the quote-unquote church, I'm talking to those who believe. So he's saying, you have something, right? That's what he's trying to tell them. You have something, and so trying to to grasp, you know, what the gospel is and how do we articulate that? Let me just give you five things that kind of popped out of me. Five things that the gospel is in the life of a believer, okay? Five things, and this is just right out of the text. Obviously, there's probably more things, but just right out that Paul was was basically saying here. Five things that the gospel is. So if you're saved, these things should be manifest in your life. These things should be happening. They should be present because this is what the gospel does to you, okay? Five things that the gospel is in the life of a believer. In verse 1, The gospel is how we stand. That's the first one. The gospel is how we stand. Okay, really basic stuff here. It's not like super hard. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So he's sharing it to them one more time. Which also you have received, and wherein you stand. The gospel, the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection... The peace that we have, the hope that we have, the gospel that we have in our life as a Christian, that is our stability. That is how we stand. Right? It is our stability. Uh, I heard, uh, uh, Adeline told us a joke this week. Uh, what do you call, uh, wh- how'd, how'd it go, Britton? Uh, what, what do you call, uh, eight, no, eight. Ha- what do you call eight bullfighters in quicksand? Four. Four. Four bullfighters. Oh, okay. Ocho Cinco, right? Uh, anyway, and so like there's no stability, right? I'm laughing because we had Adeline Graceland this week and they were they were great. It was it was really fun. Well, anyway, that's what I do. That's why I don't tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be eight though, because Ojo is eight. Yeah.
1: Ocho, Cinco doesn't make is... sense. But anyway. Oh anyway, okay,
0: there you go. I said Ocho, so <laughs> what's the difference? Eight, four. They're all sinking. Anyway, anyway, the point is there's no stability. quicksand. there's no stability. Jesus is the rock, right? If you want stability in your life, even with the crashing waves, all the things that are going on, you've got to cling to the rock. You just have to. And, like, I get it. The divorce rate in Christianity is just as high as it is in the world, right? The bad things in the world... They happen to Christians just like they do to the lost world. Why? Because well, there's a lot of reasons why. We're not going to like dive deep into all that. I'm just telling you, sin is present in the world. That's why. Um, The devil is present in the world. There is a battle for good and evil every day. And if you don't grasp that, man, you need to jump into D2. Because I promise, the spiritual battle that goes on day in and day out between God and the adversary of Satan and fighting for the souls in the world, man, you just got to grasp that. But anyway... You've got to cling to the rock, right? You've got to have stability. You've got to, the gospel is how you stand. It is, is why you do what you do. It is your center of gravity. There was something happened to me, as most of you guys know, it was, uh, I don't know, it's probably been several months ago now, but like something happened to my equilibrium. I couldn't even hardly stand up. It was the craziest thing in the world, and it, it stayed this way for, I don't know, a week or two. It got better after a while, but it got to the, the When it got to its worst, like I couldn't stand up. I felt like the world was spinning. It was the craziest thing ever. Nobody, they never could tell me what was going on other than something in one of my ears and inner ear. Anyway, it was just the weirdest thing ever. But I just, I'm like, what if I never get to walk again? Like it was, it was legit. The gospel is your center of gravity as a Christian. It is like what you cling to. The world doesn't revolve around you and the things that you do. The world revolves around the gospel. Your world now is different. It revolves around Jesus Christ. It is your center of gravity. The gospel is how you stand. It's what gives you the ability to do all other things. Right? All other things. If you can't stand, you can't walk. If you've ever uh, had little kids, they have to learn how to just be able to stand on their own before they're ever going to walk. Paige has been watching a little girl, and she's at that point right now. She's like, she can stand up all the day long. But like taking steps, she's like, no, I'm good. I'll get down and crawl, right? And it's, you have to stand before you walk. Meaning, if you don't have stability in the gospel, if you don't have the rock to cling to day in and day out, how are you ever going to walk in ministry? How are you ever going to uh, walk in the sense of being able to show somebody else what it is that you have? Right? I get it that, Being saved is is about living a life that is glorifying to God. I pray that every time I pray. Because I want everything that I do to bring God some sort of glory. But your purpose as a Christian is to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. If that wasn't your purpose, he would like rapture you out the second you got saved. You have purpose here because you are supposed to be ministering the gospel. Whether it's your words, your actions, whatever you do. Okay, So it gives you the ability to do all of those things. If the gospel isn't like the central most thing that you do, then how are you ever going to walk in anything? You just can't, right? It's just not possible. The gospel is how you stand. That's what Paul says. The first thing he says, he's like, you've received it and that is wherein you stand. That is how you're able to do anything. It is through the hope that you have in the gospel, right? It is through the peace that you have in the gospel, it is through the death, burial, and resurrection. It is the only way that we can do anything. The gospel is how you stand. And if that's not how you stand, then um, maybe you should check yourself at the door. Because, uh, well, we'll talk about that here in a couple points. Because uh, you're either saved or you're not. Right? And uh, it becomes uh, really, it, it reveals itself pretty quickly. Right? Uh, over time. So, uh, moving on, verse 2. Because i got to keep going. Uh, verse 2. So he says... So he says that it is how you stand, but then he also says, by which you were uh by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. The second thing that the gospel is in the life of a believer is the gospel is well, it's pretty simple, it's what saves you. The gospel is what saves you. Your good works don't save you. Your decision to not drink anymore uh not to be on the drugs anymore your decision to uh you know be a better wife or husband your decision to stop doing whatever it is and start doing this that's not what saves you the gospel's what saves you right now you might say oh, Jesus is what saves me okay Jesus is the gospel okay so plain and simple the gospel's what saves you it is the only thing that saves you those decisions are like the back end of what we call repentance okay those decisions are the cause and effect of what repentance is. Now, repentance is not like a, a requirement for salvation. Repentance is something that happens because you got saved. It's like a knee-jerk reaction. You know, you sit on the little doctor's table and they hit you with the little rubber mallet thing and your, you, your knee jumps or your foot jumps up. Why? It's like a knee-jerk reaction. They say, okay, it's, it's if you truly get saved, then repentance naturally happens you no longer do that anymore because you now have a natural desire to do this now does that make sense okay so the gospel is what saves us Well saves you from what what, what do i you're, you're explaining this to a lost person the gospel is what saves you man saves me from what i don't believe that well the sting of death right i mean if you boil it all down the sting of death Hebrews nine twenty seven says and is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment everybody's gonna die anybody in here that's just like no I don't think I'm going to it's gonna happen right to all of us at different points in life it's gonna happen right it's just part of it it's just, that's that's life praise the Lord there's hope in something better right that is that is the point of what we what we what we hope in but he says is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment well, what judgment Again, you're talking to a lost person here, but as saved people, as Christians who supposedly have a hold on the Word of God, what judgment are we talking about? That's one of them. Hey, yeah. Every, every person, whoever has lived, will go to one or two judgments after you die. Right? It'll happen. Now jump into D2. We can get deep into what they are, how they work out, all that. There's two, there's two judgments. The judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. Anybody who got saved. Even if the the thief on the cross who got saved seconds before he died, he's going to the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne. Right? The judgment seat of Christ is where you are judged for everything that you did from the second you got saved moving forward. Right? Because everything you did before that is all under the blood of Christ. You don't have to answer for any of that, right? The blood of Christ covers all sin, past, present, and future. That's what the blood of Christ is. Okay? But the judgment seat of Christ is now how you build your glorified body, quote-unquote, okay? And get into we'll get into that. So that's what happens to save people. Now, lost people, they go to a different judgment. It's called the great white throne. It talks about it in the book of Revelation. Anybody who did not get saved for whatever reason, whether they, quote-unquote, heard it or not, because uh, creation screams it every day. So even if you didn't hear it in word, you heard it somewhere, they go to the great white throne, where everybody gets their opportunity to explain to, to Jesus and God the Father well, I should be able to get in because of blah, 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 blah. And they're going to hear all of it out, and they're going to say, but you didn't just simply accept what you saw with your own eyes, right? The gospel. The gospel saves us from that. The gospel gives us hope. The gospel gives us peace and the fact that even when we don't understand, we know that, man, there's there's something way better. I promise. Christianity is... Christianity is better than the life that I had before. Now, some of you might be like, I mean, I didn't really have a life that was all that messed up. And so it's like, I, I get it. I have hope in eternity. But like Christianity is kind of like the life I had. I pro- My life in Christ is better than the life that I had before. But if this is all that I got, uh, Paul says, we're all men most miserable. If this is all we got, uh, he, he says later in the chapter, maybe we should just eat, drink and die. Because like there's this isn't worth it. I have hope in something better, right? Where I don't wake up and my back hurts. You know, where, where I'm not tired all the time. All of those things. There's something better. The gospel's what saves us. The gospel saves us from the wrath of God at the great white throne. If you're lost. But the gospel saves you from just yourself at times. You ever just had a battle with yourself where you can't even, can't even control your flesh? The gospel saves you from that. The gospel saves you. Now, we, say, we like to say that. Oh, man, we got saved. Uh, saved from what? Explain that to a lost person. Well, I don't do the things that I used to do anymore. And a lost person will tell you they can do that too. That's actually one of my favorite things if a lost person tries to tell me, oh, I can do that. You can't do, you can't do that for five minutes, right? Let alone a day, let alone the rest of your life. You actually have power over sin now if you choose to. If you choose to. But read the last part of this verse, because this is where some people miss. It says, by which you also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless, well, there's a group of people here that need to hear this, it's not in here, but just in general, unless you have believed in vain. There's a lot of people that have heard the Word of God, and they've quote-unquote believed in vain. They've quote-unquote prayed a prayer. They've said, oh yeah, that's what I've got but there was no change in their life, right? There was no change in their life. If you flip back over a few pages to Romans chapter 10, I usually don't do this, but you need to to see this. You've heard this a lot of times, but flip back just a few pages, Romans chapter 10. Because it doesn't just say, believe and you're saved. That's not what Paul says in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, just to clarify those who have believed in vain, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, so that's one part of it, you have to, you actually have to say it, and shalt believe in thine heart, well that's another part, you do have to believe that God hath raised him from the dead, meaning the resurrection, there has to be hope in the resurrection, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call unto him. Verse 13, For whosoever shall believe, that's not what it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's multiple parts to this. You can believe in vain. I can believe that something is going to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm actually going to put my faith in it. Right? Uh, I said for a long time that... Uh, I would never jump out of a plane unless I really believed that the parachute was going to work. Well, a few weeks ago I actually put my faith in what I believed, and Paige and I, we went and jumped out of a plane. And, you know, it was, it is what it is. Like, but at some point you have, you can believe something's going to work, but at some point, like, are you going to put your money where your mouth is, right? Uh, are you going to, are you going to put your money, are you going to actually follow through with what you say you're going to do? Salvation is belief that turns to confession that then turns to action, right? Now, action is not part. Let me just clarify this because this has become an issue or was an issue at one point, and some people got, we'll just say, offended by it. There's other words I like to use, but they got offended by it. Okay. Salvation is belief. You have to believe that Jesus is Lord, that he did die, that he was buried, and most importantly, that he did rise again, okay? You have to believe that, that has to lead to a confession that I'm not him, and if I ever want to live a life like him, then I need to do a little blood, blood transfusion, is what Paul says in the book of Romans. Uh, I like to call it, you know, the Jesus and me swippity swap, right? Uh, we, had this, we had to trade places here. I'm not who I used to be because he took that for me, right? So I can believe it, but until I actually confess that I'm not as good as I thought I was, okay, now... Now we're getting somewhere, right? Jesus, you are Lord and I'm not. And then what does that lead to? Okay, salvation has happened at that point, but then now there's proof because that leads to action. That is the, that is what repentance will bring. Repentance will bring you to action. It will bring you to do something, right? It's like, you can know that there is a need. I can say, hey, uh, there's a need, this person has a need, uh, you know, and you can be like, okay, I believe that there's a need, uh, and I'll even tell other people, like, hey, there's a need, but is it going to cause you to do something about it, right? That is what salvation does. You believe it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm bought in, I, I confess that I'm not who I want to be, and Jesus is the only way to get there. That will lead you to action, okay? So when he says in First Corinthians 15 that some have believed in vain, what he's saying is, man, you believe, but it didn't, it didn't bring apart any fruit. Okay? You can hear the Gospel. There's a lot of people who come to church week in and week out that I'm afraid maybe believe in vain. It needs to bring you to a point of repentance. Right? To a point of action. Right? A point of confession that brings you to repent. Okay, so that makes sense. Okay, so the next thing that the Gospel is in the life of a believer. The Gospel is... Now... Get this. It is a daily death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is a daily death, burial, and resurrection. You might say, yeah, I, I believe, it says right here, Jesus died according to the scriptures, he was buried, he rose again. Okay, yeah, we know that. Right? I know that, I know that, you ask the kids, if you've got kids, ask them when you pick them up today, what did you learn about today? Uh, 98% of them will say, Jesus, God, right? Those things. It's it's okay to have the right answer, but are you living the right answer? I guess is the question I have for you. The gospel is the daily death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, so in in verse 3 and 4 it says... For I delivered unto you first all that which uh, I also received. Meaning, I basically just told you what happened to me. This is the best way to share uh, your faith with somebody, is through your testimony. You want to make it real to somebody? Show them how you used to be a knothead like they are, and now that you're living for something better, right? For something bigger than you. Your testimony is the most powerful tool you have, right? I promise. He says, I delivered unto you, which I also have received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Okay, I believe that. He died on the cross. A lot of the lost world will believe Jesus died on the cross. Verse 4, and then he was buried. Okay, people get this all messed up. Like, well, when we bury somebody here, like we dig a hole six feet in the ground, right? We, Okay, it was different then for a lot of different reasons. Uh, they didn't have a backhoe, so it was a little harder to dig a six feet deep in the hole. Really rocky and... and Okay, a lot of times, if you read in the Old Testament, they were buried in a quote-unquote sepulcher because that's what they would do. They would find a cave because the world, the, the, the landscape where they live, that's how they would work. And so they would put like a large stone over the tomb. It's not that weird. People are like, what do you mean he was buried? The same way that we bury somebody now, that's how they did it there. Okay, so it's not really... Hard to understand if you put yourself in the place of where the Bible was actually written in the part of the world. Okay, so he was buried. He was put in a, quote-unquote, tomb, a cave, and a large stone put over it. Okay, I'm doubting, though. No, I wasn't there. But I'm doubting that it was like a perfect wheel-shaped circular stone like we see in all the, the Jesus movies, right? That Where they can just roll it out of the way. I doubt it was like that, but I don't know. I wasn't there. Anyway, uh, how he was buried... And then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Okay, that's that's the power of the gospel right there. He did something nobody else could. Christ died. Well, guess what? So does everybody else. In case you're wondering, death's betting a thousand right now, other than Jesus. And I don't really see that changing anytime soon. Okay, as far as your physical body goes, that's 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 how it is. Christ was buried again. Um, That's that's what happens, right? We'll find out later in the chapter what happens with our physical body compared to our spiritual body, all that. We'll get into all that. But Christ died, he was buried. Okay, that's not hard to believe. Lost people will believe that. Well, yeah, he died. He was a normal dude. Well, that's what happens to normal dudes. They die and they get buried. But it's the part where he was resurrected that the world's like, I don't know that I believe that. I don't believe that because I don't really want to entertain in my mind what that means and all of that. So instead, I'm just going to throw it out, right? That's what we do. When we don't really understand something, we're just like, yeah, okay, I just I just don't care. Because I don't really want to put the brain space into like, what does that mean to me? He's the only one who ever did it. He's the only person who's ever been there and actually resurrected, right? Up until now. Now... When the rapture happens, all that changes. Different dispensation. God's dispensing His grace in a different time. Again, D2 stuff, if you want to get in and understand what I'm talking about. But as of right now, He's the only person who's resurrected, right? Bodily. Now, our spirit when we die, because the Holy Spirit is God's immediately with Christ. Okay, so we'll get to that later in the chapter, but I don't want to leave anybody hanging on that. If the world is going to see something in you that they need it's going to be seeing you live this out daily. It's going to be seeing you live out the death, barrel and resurrection daily. The dying to self, the putting all of that away, and living for something better daily. If the world's going to see something in you that is like, you aren't like everybody else. They're going to have to see you live the death, barrel and resurrection every day. Not just some days, not on your good days. They're going to have to see it every day. I was talking to somebody recently and they were telling me, like it, at work, I really can't, I, I, or at least the job they had, I really couldn't share, but like, I just tried to live it. And when I had to leave that job after several years, uh, one of the guys you know, stopped me and was just like, you're a Christian, aren't you? And he's like, I never told them once that I was. But it was just the testimony that I had. And I'm like, Praise the Lord that we can live a life that's like that. That is a daily death, burial, and resurrection. That is living for something more than yourself. If the world's going to see something in you that they need, it's going to be seeing you live it daily. You've got to die to yourself, right? Let's just work our way through it. If you're going to death, burial, and resurrection, this thing, you've got to die to yourself in a world full of, quote-unquote, me first. Look at me. Look at my story. Look at my life. Look at what I have. Look at me. Look over here. That's what we do, right? In a world full of me first, live like Jesus did. Go back and read the Gospels in case you're wondering what that's like because he was always putting himself under everybody else every day. In a world full of trying to get one up on the rest of everybody else, don't live like that, right? That's what dying to self looks like. Bury the old man. Don't live like you used to. Bury it, man. Say no to the flesh. You have the power to do that. You, you realize that, right? Now, a lot of times Christians are like, man, I'm really struggling with my flesh. And I get it. There is a battle. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter, I think it's 7, when he sounds like Dr. Seuss, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do? And I, you know, he sounds like, what he's basically saying is, I, I have this flesh on that still has worldly desires. But you know that you do actually have power now to say no if you choose to. You can do that. You actually have the ability to be like, even though I really want that, I'm not going to do it. right? Even though I desire, I'm not going to follow through. right? Even though I want to look, I'm not going to. Even though I want to whatever, you fill in the blank, it's not going to happen. Why? Because you actually have the ability through Christ that is in you. Bury the old man. Say no to the flesh because the flesh is dead. If you choose for it to be. So you've got to die, you've got to be buried, but this is where it really gets good. Live like you actually believe you're going to be resurrected. Because there's a lot of Christians, I'm not trying to throw shade, especially on anybody in here, there's a lot of Christians who do not live like they're going to be resurrected. I got my get into heaven free card, everything is good, I'm going to do whatever I want. I I'm going to live like I'm going to be resurrected because I know that there's a day that I'm going to stand before Christ. And uh, I'm not all about that business of being like, oh yeah, that thing? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not all about that business. Right? Uh, I'm out on that. Live like you actually believe you're going to be resurrected. Stop living a life where you're just defeated, where you're down in the dumps, where you're just like, yeah, I know I've got that. Live like you actually have the Christ who actually defeated death living inside of you, because you do. Man, we we live this life where it's just like, yeah, I know I've got that, but, yeah, I know I should do that, but, but what? But you have the God of the universe living inside of you? Yeah, you do. Are you living like it? I don't know. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, but there's not going to be things in life, times in life, where the world throws a haymaker at you. Right? Like what happened in the baseball game last night, if you've seen the video, right? It was messed up. <laughs> Dude, like, landed a punch and dropped him down. Anyway, uh, it doesn't happen very often on a baseball diamond. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I saw a video of it this morning. I'm like, dang. Oh, it was a game between the, uh, the Guardians and the... Uh, well, this is an AL Central game. But anyway, anyway, I don't know. Anyway, but it's like, live like you believe that God's actually going to do something about it. Now, I understand. There's times that the world's going to throw punches at you. And, you know, what happens? you got to sit back and take a breath. I get it. But man, don't live your life like that. Right? Go back and remember, there's peace in the Gospel. There's hope in the Gospel. If God was done with me, He would take me out right now because I have something better coming. Like, I, I wouldn't have to go through this. But He must still have purpose for me and what I'm doing day in and day out. I must still have people to minister to. I must still have an impact to leave on somebody's life. And that's why I'm here, right? There's going to be times that the world is like just coming at you. But man, are you living like you believe you're going to be resurrected? Because sometimes we're not. there needs to be purpose in what you're doing. There's got to be purpose in what you're doing. Okay, so obviously we're not going to get done today. We'll pause there and we'll wrap up next week and uh, we'll go from there. So sorry, I really thought we were going to get done early. Sorry for being late. Uh, We'll pick back up next week. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, you're good to us. And uh, thank you for living a life that we couldn't. Uh, If it was up to me uh, to take the sin of the world on, uh, Lord, I couldn't take my own sin on. And so... uh, God, you, you took it all, and so I pray that we would really um, just contemplate what that means. Uh, not even just the fact that you died for the world, but that you died for us individually. And that that would just give us purpose to actually get out and live for you instead of living for ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray you just uh, all these things to kind of ponder in our hearts as we try to have an impact on a world that seems uh, more and more irrelevant uh, to to you and so uh, Lord uh, that you seem more and more irrelevant to them uh, or that you would just use us and so a lot of these things to just kind of meditate as we wrap up next week we'll uh, uh, just find out that man you've called us to something better and so uh, Lord I pray for the people in Passpoint there's a lot of things going on I pray that you would just give us the boldness to live a life that we can't do on our own uh, Lord and uh, you would get all the honor and the glory whether we're eating or drinking or sharing the gospel in Christ's name Amen